not only are these companies starting to go away, but we're starting to see the cities where these unprofitable companies are located, they're starting to go away. That's right. The Wall Street Journal had an had a expose about the San Francisco commercial real estate market. And it was talking about how many of the companies that were shutting down and leaving the, the city of San Francisco. And we've covered some of that here before. But what really caught my eye were the particular companies that had rented all of this commercial real estate space. So I will put the link to the article. It's a great article in the, uh, the show notes. However, I just want to point to some of these companies. Mobile banking startup Chime, which is a fintech company that is a bank, but it's not a bank. They've been fined for being called for calling themselves a bank, but they lease six floors at 101 California Street in San Francisco, six floors of the 48-story building, and yet they've laid off 12% of their staff. So we do a quick look at how Chime is doing. Well, unfortunately, there is a um, article in ProPublica that talks about how Chime is doing and how it's locking customers out of their money. It has all kinds of complaints because they take the underbanked and somehow they're going to reinvent banking. And we'll take a look and see some of the violations that they've had. If we look at the complaints filed against Chime, of the 920 complaints that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has received since April 2020, 197 were tagged as involved a closed account. By comparison, Wells Fargo has six times as many customers, yet had less than half the amount of complaints, 317. Another new online bank created by Goldman Sachs with 4 million customers had seven such complaints. Customers have also filed 4,439 complaints against Chime at the Better Business Bureau compared to 3,281 for Fells Fargo with six times the number of customers. So what you're seeing here is these companies that are having to lay off staff, are you surprised why? Right? These are companies that are trying to disrupt banking. They're disrupt walking in the cities by having a scooter and they're trying to disrupt um, cooking with a box that's very expensive, but it's not expensive enough to turn a profit. So you're seeing some of these companies that are very interesting all of a sudden struggle and the cities that were housing them struggle. If we go to this article for 600 Cali California Street, just down the road, it's WeWork. Well, WeWork was an absolute darling of a company. The only problem is it too has lost 99% of its market cap and it is now just about to formally go away. WeWork, their disrupting environment was office space. They were going to reinvent office space where someone doesn't have to rent an office. They were going to have a co-working space because there is a sofa in there because private businesses un, somehow were unable to have a sofa in there or a coffee machine or a ping pong table. But they were going to buy all of, and they leased up all of this office space and they were going to turn around and somehow release it for a profit in their business model. And they were able to raise all of this money and they had an incredible market cap at one time, but unfortunately it's all gone away. 
They too were looking to go to an IPO. Unfortunately, they were besieged with criticism over its governance, business model, and the ability to turn a profit. Hence, their company was valued at about $10 billion um, in 2019 when they were trying to go public. And instead, as of last in August, they had a market cap of $326 million and dropping fast. Their stock was trading at 13 cents on Friday. WeWork is no more. Another company that's in the same building is Affirm. The buy now, pay later was going to disrupt how people buy stuff. This is called layaway. The only difference between layaway of the, the days of yore where you had to save up and pay a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit, and a little bit, and then you got whatever you were trying to purchase. Now you get to have it. You get to ruin it. The bank or the firm has no collateral if you stop paying, which is what's happened. And now a firm, their stock has went from, it was trading at a high of 168 in November of 2021. It's currently trading at $21. For those of you keeping track, that is one heck of a big sell. <laughs> so what we're seeing is these companies are starting to go broke. And of course, in the article, it mentioned that WeWork had um, vacated many of its floors of office space that it had. You're seeing, um, the uh, a firm also cut 19% of its workforce, and now they're thinking about abandoning its leases in the city as well. And what's happening is, is that is also coincide with the vacancies of across the city dropping. And the 2019 numbers of the vacancy was about three to 4%. Now it's peaking over 30 as the COVID hit and more people were working from home. So these office buildings are becoming worth less and less and less. You combine that with these companies that were built on free money and hopes and dreams. And the commercial office space is an absolute time bomb waiting to explode on the banks that finance them. So any of these banks that are holding the notes on this, they are just sitting there waiting and praying that something's going to change in the economy, but it certainly doesn't seem like it. Speaking of another fallen angel, the crypto story is being harder and harder to believe when JP Morgan Chase UK earlier put out a notice saying that its customers will no longer be able to purchase cryptocurrencies using its debit cards or through bank transfers. This is in the UK, but they said it was due to just prevalent fraud. Well, I can't imagine with Sam Bankman-Fried and <laughs> all of the other um, stable coins that weren't so stable disappearing, why any of these banks would allow their customers to do that. They have a, they have a responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility to their customers to make sure that, that they're not involved in these types of situations and they take losses. And the crypto companies are not happy. In fact, I believe Coinbase is actually saying that they're going to try to go to the law. And I don't know what they're trying to do with the law, but considering that these banks are private companies and they can actually choose to allow some of these transactions, but they're going to. And I think what you're seeing is the dying whale of some of these crypto companies um, and how they're going to be part of the new environment going forward. I think you're going to have to go around the banks and all of the little financial highways if you're going to use crypto and if you're going to do that. And that's probably something that they're already working on within the industry. I personally don't follow it that closely. I just see that more and more of these um, ways to get money on and off the system are starting to be patched up and closed. Remember, the government hate competition. And anytime you're going to disrupt money, you're going to disrupt government. 
you're going to have a heck of a fight on your hands. And I think that's exactly what they're facing right now. Now, if we're looking forward, we're looking forward to the future, the future of AI. AI has clearly been the saving grace of the stock market for the last six months, um, pushing NVIDIA, um, Microsoft, um, AMD, Google, these big companies, the Magnificent Seven, AMD is technically not a Magnificent Seven, but it does involve chips and has benefited from the AI craze. Well, this has been going up and up. But unfortunately, the other thing that has been going up and up, especially in the last week, is the long-term bond market. The long-term bond market is basically going to be the key thing in how you value stocks valuations. Because if you have a higher long-term yield going out into the future, the discounted cash flow models, basically how you value these companies, the higher the interest rate that you value them, the less you can pay for the company today. And I think you're starting to see this weight, this pressure that we've been talking about weighing on these companies. And whether they have AI or not, the, the future profits are simply just worth less when you can go to a money market and get five and a half percent today and you can get five and a half percent tomorrow and you can get a bond out there for five percent why would you really take the risk on a company that is going to have to deliver for 30 years at a five percent clip that's going to be pretty difficult to do especially with the run-up we've already had in ai so i think what you're starting to see and um apollo chief economist uh for global apollo global management torsen stock Slock, I'm sorry. He says, we're going to see the cost of capital bite harder and harder on companies every single day. We begun to run the risk, of course, that we're going to see more companies defaulting and on the consumer side, more people falling behind on their payments. I agree 100% with Torsten's analysis there. I think it is going to be the case because the credit, the higher credit um, and interest rates that we're going to be facing in the future are just going to slow growth more than anything else. And they're not the only ones getting concerned. The banks are getting concerned as well. So one of the things that caught my eye on a Yahoo article where the banks are fearing the liquidity crunch, they had a great paragraph in here that was very, very poignant. Scarcity has also caused problems in the past, referring to liquidity in the system, most notably in September 2019, which is when the overnight repo facility blew up. When the Treasury increased borrowing, which we're seeing now, and the Fed stopped buying as many Treasuries for its balance sheet, which they've stopped doing, the balances dropped by nearly $166 billion to $3.14 trillion in the week through September 20th. Remember, on September 19th is when the overnight repo blew up. And all of a sudden, banks were very uncomfortable with lending to each other in the overnight markets. And that basically can freeze up the entire financial system if banks stop lending to each other. And that forced the Fed and Jerome Powell to pivot in 2019. And I think what we're getting to is we're getting to a level that's similar to that. Now, there that was the overnight repo facility. Well, now we have an overnight reverse repo facility in which they can draw some money down. And that peaked a few months ago at 2.6 trillion, and now it's at 1.8 trillion. So what What's happened is they've built up a buffer over in this reverse repo facility, and what's happening is that's coming down. So when that starts coming down to zero, that's when we can start seeing some of the same issues, perhaps, that we saw in 2019. And that's just when the liquidity basically, we're just out, right? It's similar to what's happening in the oil markets right now at, the, at Cushing, Oklahoma, where they're saying we're down to very, very critical levels of actual crude in storage. 
which is the opposite of what happened when they couldn't take anymore. The tanks were full during COVID when the oil price went negative $37. Now they're at the opposite side and the tanks are almost empty. And that is going to be a problem for the oil and the oil price going forward. And lastly, we follow up one more little tidbit on the striking Americans. So the UAW advanced their strikes against Ford and GM a little bit more and a little bit more ratcheting up the pressure on them on Friday. But now we have some other organizations that are also looking to strike. We talked about Kaiser Permanente is looking to do an October strike among healthcare workers. And then Las Vegas, the, um, the, uh, 53,000 housekeepers, cocktail and food servers, porters, cooks, bartenders, and other hotel employees in Las Vegas, Las Vegas are now about to go on a strike. And this is through the Culinary Workers Union, and they have the option to go on strike. And I don't know when they were talking that it could take place, but I wanted to say in the next month. I don't think it says in the article, but I did I did hear this that it was going to take place next month. So 53,000 housekeepers and basically people in the culinary union, that is going to create a very very large problem with the city of Las Vegas. Now, the question is is how much pressure can they put and how much increase in labor wages can they get? If the UAW is holding out for 30-40%, is that what's going to be available to the culinary union? What's going to happen to the stock prices of Wynn, MGM, and Caesars when all of a sudden their labor costs are going to have to go up 30 to 40%? What's going to have to happen to the price of the hotel room in order to maintain profit margins? What's going to happen to the price of the steak in the steakhouse in order to maintain profit margins? These are all inflationary conditions that are working against the Fed trying to get inflation lowered. So the other one I saw that was interesting is CVS pharmacists are also talking about walking out. They have been complaining since the COVID time periods that the understaffing, this is a quote from Ron Fitzwater from the Missouri Pharmacy Association, quote, the understaffing and the poor working conditions, it all relates to the fact that the reimbursement levels have been so low that the demands handed to pharmacists, the metrics they have to live up to just to generate the dollars to keep staffing is a never ending cycle, end quote. And this is coming from CVS pharmacists. And I think what you're starting to see here is everybody saying, I'm getting pinched. I can't cut back anymore, or I don't want to. I enjoy traveling. I enjoy my current standard of living. I'm going to strike, and I'm going to demand more money. Well, that has worked for UPS. They have gotten new wages. Some of these others are starting to get new wages. Now, if it becomes a systematic countrywide 30 40% increase in the labor wages, how is inflation going to fall? Because all of these people are going to have more money that can go into the system to buy goods and services. It's going to be very hard to get this down. So if we don't have inflation falling, how is the Fed going to be able to pivot and lower interest rates? They're not. Thank you for tuning in today. As usual, you can find all of our links to the articles. If you would like to dig a little deeper into the stories that we brought you here today, they're available at cthomasprinter.com. I look forward to talking to you next week, and we will see how this government shutdown that wasn't is going to play out in the next 45 days. 